This is JMJ Real Talk with Josh, Maria, and Jolene. Welcome back. It is episode 16, all about conferences. What is the importance of parent-teacher conferences? Well, it is our way to connect with families so that they know where their child is at at the beginning of the year. So I know that, you know, we're looking into November, which is when our parent-teacher conferences are. And so one of the things that we do with our parent-teacher conferences is goal setting. And I also believe that that's an important piece in order to get to know your families and what they're going through and to see how you can support the family. Parent-teacher conferences are a lot about connection, um, not only with the students that you're working with, depending on the grade level you are working in, but also with the family and making sure that that school-to-home connection is really there. And in order to really help that child grow academically, socially, emotionally, all of those pieces, we have to be working together as a team. And having parent-teacher conferences in the beginning of the year allows for that team to really be be solidified right from the start. And if students are able to see that, if students are able to attend those conferences, then they can see, oh, they're both working together. They're, they're both on the same they're page. They're both on the same page. They're both on the same team. and Which could really be an oh crap moment for some <laughs> kids. Yes. Or it could be a, okay, this is good to know. Now I feel supported. You know, I always tell my, my students when I taught kindergarten, I, I would tell them, you know, I'd have parents call and say, hey, I don't have a sitter. Can my child come with me? Absolutely. I will not tell you anything that I have not already told your child. It's important for the child to know what's expected of them academically, socially, emotionally. And and that's what I'm going to be sharing with the with the family as well. Because if I'm not starting with the source, the child, mm-hmm. and I'm jo- going straight to the parent, it's kind of like when a parent goes above your head to the principal before talking to you. Right. Do you like that? No. no. So let's let's solve a, find a way of solving and figuring out how can I best support that child by teaching them, hey, this is where you need to be at the end. This is where you're at now. Let's come up with a strategy so that when it comes to parent-teacher conferences, I can have that same conversation and say, hey, Johnny and I already talked about this. This is where Johnny and I talked about this, what we decided. We need you on board with this. What could you do to support us? And that's why in fourth grade land, what I taught is I actually required students to be there because I was like, okay, we are going to be setting goals. Do you want your parents to set your goals without you there? And they're like, oh, no, I want to be involved in that process. Yeah, my parents don't know where I'm at academically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, they're probably thinking my parent would probably pick something pretty crazy, which I probably I don't want to do. So I want to have a voice to say, no, I think I want to be able to do to work on this instead. A lot of times I will have a worksheet that will have what the child will do, what the parent's going to do and what the teacher will do to support that. So It's kind of like a little contract, a goal setting contract that we do at the very beginning of the year. And uh, I'll share it with you, Josh, since you're a fourth grade teacher. I actually think you already did. Oh, I did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think you sent it at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I I did see that. And it's one of those bookmarked things I need to pull out and start working on. Yeah. And it's so helpful to have all three individuals be a part of that contract because it's like, you know, I'm going to support you like this, but you have to do this. And then the parents will support you as well. What do you wish you would have known your first parent-teacher conference? I I think what surprised me the most, my first parent-teacher conferences, was the parents like actually asking me about parental advice. Like they would say, you know, little Johnny's doing this at home. What should I do? And I was like fresh out of the box. I think I was only 22 years old. And weren't a parent yet. 
yeah, it was really surprising to me that they felt like I was someone that they could ask. Uh, so that that was surprising for me. It was just knowing that parents really look to the teachers to, for help. And the fact that they were asking me meant that they felt comfortable with me. But also, it's just something that I wish I would have known going into it, that oftentimes you have to play like a counselor sometimes because not only do the children go through trauma, but the parents do as well. And they want you to know what's going on so that you can help their child. And that was something I wasn't really prepared for. And the honesty of what they were sharing about their lives too. Because I was like, oh my gosh, you're sharing this with me. I was very fortunate that first year that how many of my parents wanted to share with me their story about their child and about what was going on in their life that I wasn't I wasn't really prepared for that. So it would be helpful to have like a list of resources of places or agencies or people that they could go to for support. Yeah, and I being, you know, right out of the box, I had no idea. Plus I was out of the box, plus it was like a new town I had never lived in. And so I was just like, I have no idea. You didn't know what resources were I out there. I had no idea. I have a couple things. I think one of them that I learned pretty quickly was that it's important for you as the teacher to not do all of the talking, which I know some of you are probably laughing if you know me on a more personal level <laughs> because I kind of tend to talk people's ear off. Um, really? But, <laughs> but I, it's important that you're not doing all the talking because a lot of times parents come to, come to those conferences with a list of questions or concerns. And if you spend your entire 20-minute conference just throwing academics at them, they're going to walk away thinking, mm, I wasn't heard. Mm -hmm. That teacher doesn't really care about what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. All they care about is making sure that they, I see the academic piece, which is important, but maybe it wasn't important to them right then. The, the second part is that I, I've shared that I don't have a working memory. It's getting better, but I don't have a working memory. <laughs> And I think that part of it is that I would always, my first year of conferences, I would say, okay, yes, I will connect you with the counselor or I will connect you with the principal on that issue or I will connect you with the skills group teacher. And they'd go on their way. I'd start the next conference and mm -hmm. out the window what we just talked about went. And I would, you know, two weeks would pass and they're like, hey, I never heard from the counselor. I never heard from the special ed teacher. Uh. What I learned right away is that it's important to write things down. So if mm -hmm. you tell a parent, hey, I'm going to get back to you on this and I'm going to get back to you by this date. Write it down in that moment. Write it in a notebook. Make sure that it's hidden so that other families, when they come in, they don't see it. But write it down so that you don't forget, hey, I need to connect back up with this family and say, hey, I can, I contacted this, the counselor, the SPED teacher, and they're going to be reaching out to you in a couple days. If you don't hear from them, give me a call back. Because if you let that slide, you're going to be breaking that connection or that relationship that you already have started to establish. And I think to even piggyback on that, a lot of our conferences are going to be virtual this year. And so I, last year, which is the first year I did this, but I opened up my email. And so if they needed to be connected to someone, I wrote that email right then. And I told parents, okay, right now I'm writing an email to the counselor and I'm, I'm setting this up right now because of my working memory, I would forget. So I actually did it right then. And I told them, this is what I'm writing. This is what I'm saying. Is there anything else you would like me to say? And then we could just have that conversation. And then I just pushed send before the meeting was up. And I'd have it done as well. I haven't, I have never been a classroom teacher. So I've attended a lot of conferences as a special ed teacher. So I've just been a, a lot of witness and a 
translator to a lot of those conferences. So one of the things that I've learned that I've passed on to teachers is to be positive. So when you start the conference, start with the positive. This is what your child can do. And then later on to say, well, these are the things that they need to improve, but put it in a positive light. Nobody wants to sit in a conference and hear, you know, negative things or feel that they don't want to be heard. And uh, to piggyback on that translation piece, a lot of teachers, new teachers, it might be their first time where they have a translator in their conference. What are some things that you would like them to know so that when someone comes in and translates for them, like some key things that they should be aware of when they have a translator? So if there's a lot of people in in the room, it helps if if only one person is talking. So if the three of us are sitting with a parent in in a room and then you have a translator, it's helpful to have one person talking at a time so then I could translate that and not to have any side conversations while I'm translating because I wouldn't want the parent to miss anything and I, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing a good job translating and not miss any pieces. And not to speak forever before you pause, yeah, right? Yeah, there's you have to pause a little bit in between. (laughs) So like I said, it's also because we're doing it on the fly. So I'm not writing things down. So it's like I can only hold so much information in my head and then translate it and then say it to the parent and then translate back. So it is very helpful to pause. There's that working memory thing again. Yeah, it is. And, and, and Maria has have. a great working memory, <laughs> but I've been in conferences with her where she's had to translate and the person is like, and I'm like, you need to slow down. She can't go that Take fast. Take a breath. Yeah. And it also helps to have things written. Yeah. So like a visual. And even though if it's in English, I can still translate it. But, you know, it's yeah. better just to have something that I can refer back to. I think it's important to have visuals just in general, even with yes. families. You know, a lot of times I am not a parent right now, so I don't have the experience from the parent side of things. But I can tell you from when I was in college and the learning side of things that if there was not a visual and somebody was just talking at me, I got lost because I didn't have something to look at and to focus my attention on. And so if you want your families to really know something, show them what you want them to know. Show them the evidence as to what the academics are that are that are struggling or that are going well. Show them the behavior. If, if there's something behaviorally going wrong, show them, show them proof of that somehow so that they can see really what you're talking about. There's very few people who are good enough at painting a picture just with words to not have to have those visuals. So give your families the best opportunity to know what you're saying and track with you by showing those visuals. And I actually give them like, here's an overview of what we're going to talk about. First, we're going to talk about goals. Then we're going to talk about behaviors. So I actually give that to them so that they know like what's coming next as well. Because I think as a parent, you go in and you're like, okay, uh, I hope that I don't hear about little Johnny's behavior again, you know? And so you're just kind of waiting for that time. Which I think that brings up a good point is that, you know, Maria kind of mentioned this about how that timeline of of talking about the child, you know, what's going well, what's not going well, what's going Mm -hmm. well, what's not going well. We kind of call it, my dad called it in the, uh, in the corrections world, kind of a crap sandwich. (laughs) You know, you want to tell them something good, something bad, something good, something bad, and then always end on something good. Because if you do it in that way, they're going to remember the good. 
And chances are, if you are having behavior issues with a certain student, you have already made that contact with that family about right. that behavior thing. You don't need to keep bringing it up and rehashing it and rehashing it. If you equate it to a relationship that you had, yeah. if you ever had somebody who's like, oh, do you remember in 1985 <laughs> yes. when you did this? I, I do. And now we're in 2000 and we're yeah. like, oh my gosh. And you're and still doing that thing that you did in 1985. Or maybe you've never done that thing again, but you still bring it up. Yeah, yeah. I understand. So we're still reliving yeah. it. And it and it's one of those things that just let it go. And and that's what I try to do. My first conference, I want it to be positive. So I'm only talking about academics and all of that. All the behaviors I talk about before they even get there, because that's not what I want the focus to be. I want the focus to be like where they're, they are academically and how we're going to get them to be to their end of the year. And so what I know about your child, yes. what I know, how do I, how have I built that connection with yeah. your child? Because, you know, a lot of times those, this was one of the other things that one of my mentors always shared with me is if you walk into a classroom as a parent and the teacher is just spitting academic data at you, right? you don't know that child. No. You don't know what that child likes to do at recess or during Friday free time or what do they like to do with their friends? You know, what are their interests? What are their hobbies? Do they have friends? Do they have friends? And you know, that's one of the biggest questions that a lot of my families bring up. Mm -hmm. Not, I, I don't know about necessarily in fourth grade. I haven't had conferences in fourth grade yet, but in kindergarten especially, you know, Johnny comes home and tells me he doesn't have anybody to play with. Mm -hmm. He sits on the on the playground all by himself and he's crying and, and you know, so if I'm out on the playground, I'm specifically looking for all of my kids and seeing, okay, who is Johnny playing with? Oh, Johnny's playing with so and so. And so we're able to then say, you know what? Johnny does have friends and this is what happens, you know, but it does get a little bit rough sometimes. And then they part their ways because they don't like the way that feels. Why are parent teacher conferences important to our school family? Well, we kind of touched on it, but just making those connections and making sure that we support the, ho the whole child. For the child and even the the families to feel safe and that you are connected in the family, you're going to have to set up those opportunities where they can come in and meet, not just maybe not just conferences, but other times we've in the past, we've had readathons where parents could come and we all read together or we've had math nights or anything like that. So having those family nights, that list that you might have for the rest of the year. I mean, I know now it's hard because we can't have families in our buildings, <laughs> but be thinking of ways that you can connect with them, not just with conferences. Like a virtual night. Yeah, like a virtual night. Do a, oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> There's some brilliant minds in this room. You can go ahead and laugh. It's okay. <laughs> Wait, and you, you when we're talking about a school family, we're talking about all components of a family. And if you think about a typical family, and I say typical because right now we don't have all typical families, but there's a parent side, there's a kid side, there's cousins, there's relatives, there's all these pieces that work together to form a working relationship. And so in order to have that working relationship, we have to make sure that the family's included. I don't know how many times I've talked with new teachers and they're so frustrated or they're feeling so frustrated about a specific behavior in a in a child. And, and my first question is, have you asked the family what they do? And a lot a lot of times we don't ask the family. We're like, oh, well, you know, mom's going through this or dad's going through that. And I don't really want to burden them with that. Well, it's their child and they're going to want to know that their child's not doing what's expected at school. And so call them and say, hey, we're dealing with this at school. You know, it, 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 and I'm not calling you in a your child's, you know, just running amok, but I'm calling you in a I need some support with this. What can we do to support your child? When we start forming that team, that school family is being built. And so when when you do have to call later on uh, when things are are tough 
even tougher than what that moment was, Mm -hmm. you already have a connection. I have a mentor who who told me, you know, try and do two positives to one negative phone call. And so if you make one negative phone call, try and make two positive ones that same day. Or within that same week. Within, within that week. same week. Well, yeah. it, well it, it doesn't have to be to the same family. Mm. But try and connect with that family on a positive note later in the week. But for your own mental health piece, which is helpful to the school family, make two positive phone calls to a negative phone call. Because you need to also know that not everything sucks in, in your day. What do parents need? What do teachers need? What do students need from the conference? Well, we've talked a lot about structures throughout many of our podcasts, if we can build in structures within our conferences, you talked about having visuals or something and not just talking the whole time, but like showing parent what what it is that you want them to see or to learn or even the uh, the students as well. I think think building a structure within your conference not only will help the families, but will also help you. will lower that effective filter so that you're a little bit not as anxious. One of the biggest things that I do when I'm looking at planning out a conference is that I want to make sure that anything I want to show that family is in one location. And so I this is just kind of a organizational piece for me from me is I have a crate that I have a um, a folder or a file folder hanging file folder for every kid and within that file folder I have a manila folder and anything that I'm like you know what I might want to show that at conferences mm-hmm. I'm going to drop it in that folder yeah. everything else that I'm like you know this could be useful at some point in a conference but I don't want it for this conference that's just going to go in the hanging file mm-hmm. because I have access to it when something comes up so let's say I'm going to show some readings scores from the online reading program that we use. Or maybe I'm not, let's say I'm not going to show those. But a family who maybe works in the district, they're like, well, what is the what is the score for this program that they use? Well, I don't have that in this folder, but I can go grab it real quick. I know right where it's at. I can grab it because it's organized. Mm-hmm. Keeping yourself organized, keeping yep. that routine going so that when I start with my first conference, I have everything lined out for the entire the, that entire conference. And I just go, okay, well, let's look at the first sheet. Let's go over this. Let's talk about the academics. Okay. Any questions? about that one let's go to the second one and it kind of becomes this like just this routine of being able to go through the paperwork and that first conference is structured the exact same way as my last conference so that I don't forget anything right and I know that if there's a paper not in there it's because the child didn't get it done which then brings up conversations about attendance and all of that. But I'm able to go through and kind of mentally check off, okay, I've talked about this, this, and this. Now I need to talk about this. I also I also talk about the structure within our day. So, you know, this is this is this is what our a day in the life of your child looks like in the classroom. This in social studies, we're studying this. In math, we're studying this. So it kind of has just like I hit the highlights, but then I also have, I just make folders for each family. And within the folder, I have stuff that, that we can share as well. And I always like try to get like their best writing piece in there too so they could see how they're doing on their writing. And one of the things that I've liked with the writing especially is that teachers keep it at the beginning of the year. So then when you have your January conference or your, you know, or conference in the spring that you were able to show that example and say, hey, look at how much growth they've made. Have that comparison. It's important for families to have that comparison because while you may remember where they started, families don't. Mm -hmm. They don't remember exactly where their child started. And And I think it, you know, kind of coming back with this question a little bit is if you walk away from that conference going, if I was the parent on the other side of that table, I would enjoy walking away right now Mm -hmm. then you did a good job as a teacher to talk about that child as a whole because if you but if you feel like you walk away from that if you would if you were to walk away from that conference as wow that was crappy Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. then you're not doing your job as a teacher because you are prob- probably are allowing emotion into it a little bit too much and your feelings of, okay, well, Johnny upsets my classroom all day long, but it, that's not the time or the place for that conversation with that family because you've already had that. Let's follow, let's find all of the small little things that Johnny does that are helpful to the classroom and academically so that we can make that parent feel like, I want to come to the next conference in the spring. Well, and especially just showing the growth. I mean, if you're, if you as a teacher are able to show growth, I feel that as a parent, that would be an important thing to see. And even as a teacher to feel successful. Jolene, this was really aimed towards you because you are the only parent really <laughs> in our in our group here. But as a parent, what are some things that you look for in a conference? Well, number one, when I sit down, I want to know how much you love my child. I want to hear that you've made that connection with them. And, and not calling them the wrong name since they're twins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I also want to know, yeah, I I do want to know academics and I do want to know if they're missing work, but I also want to know like how they're interacting with the other children in the classroom. And are they, are they good citizens in the classroom? Do they, are they talking out when they're not supposed to? Are they, you know, are they, are they talking when they are supposed to? and being participating and all of that. So I think as a parent, I don't really, I do want to know academics, but I can look that up online. I want to know all the stuff that I can't get from looking at your grade book online. How do you continue to form partnerships and connections with families throughout the year? Well, it was a lot easier when everything wasn't virtual. (laughs) You know, we're just going to have to do those virtual nights at Maria. Since they're virtual, she could lead them for all of our students. Oh, yeah, there you go. So um, (laughs) if you want to form a partnership with your family, family maria is willing (laughs) i would say communication would be the the biggest key is you know getting to know your families and calling and making those positive phone calls and and when i was in a classroom it was a separate setting for students that were struggling with behavior and you know it, it was hard because there was a lot of behaviors but i would call the parent and i would say positive things so that you know, when they picked up the phone, they wouldn't be like, you know, well, what they do now? Mm-hmm. Or if they started to escalate during the day, I would send them a text and say, hey, just a heads up. And then if I was able to, to calm them down, then I would say, send them another text saying, hey, we're, we're, we're great now. Or, hey, I need some help. But I, I would say that that was appreciated because I did hear from a couple of parents that would call me and say, hey, that, that helped when you called to give me a positive because that way I wasn't dreading when the phone ring and it's like oh it's the school again yeah so yeah. I, I would say just forming those connections with parents and families because I and I shouldn't just say parents now because you know we have grandparents and we have you know foster families so there's a lot of different situations out there so just getting to know your family so that you know the schedule so you know oh he's with mom this week or you know he's with dad next week or grandpa's gonna pick them up today so you know after school you know what the plan is I do this activity at the beginning of the year which I love, absolutely love. I send this worksheet home and it says, in a million words or less, describe your child. Out of, you know, how many years have I been teaching? Quite a bit. There's only been one parent that didn't do it. Like out of all of those years, I've had parents. And what they write is amazing. And that, to me, I am more connected with that child than if I didn't do that activity. But I'm also connected with the parents because I can see how much they love their child and how much they want me to love their child. And so even though we can't have like family nights, we can do little things like that that can help build those connections. I think that also with going back to a little bit what Maria said about 
texting. I my this is total personal personal preference, but I give all of my families my cell phone number because I want them to know that they can reach me if they need me. And I check with them at the begin, beginning of the year. Do you want me to call you, email you, text you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Nine out of ten times it's texting because they're busy. I'm busy. We work odd hours. They work odd hours. And so shooting them a quick text and even if they respond to me at 10 o'clock at night, I don't have to answer it until the next morning during my contracted time. And they know that I'm not going to. Sometimes if I'm not doing anything and I'm still awake, yeah, I'll shoot them a text back real quick. Say, hey, yep, tomorrow is crazy hair day or whatever it may be. But meeting them where they're at with communication is what's going to help build that communication. I don't know how many families I've had that have said, because I'm able to just text you and say, here's my concern, knowing that you're going to either text me back right away or in the next morning or call me as soon as you get a chance is so much stress, has such a stress relief for me because I know that you've heard me. You've heard what I had to say. And again, that's a personal preference, but I've never had a family who's used that in a way that's not appropriate. And so it's important for them for for me to to let my families know that hey you know what I'm accessible but I'm also going to set boundaries too because it is important to have boundaries for yourself and your mental health which is what our whole podcast has been about is about social emotional health and learning how to be better people let's help these parents be better people by saying you know what you can contact me when you have a concern and as soon as I have an opportunity I'm going to respond to you Mm -hmm. parent teacher conferences are imperative in the school to home connection this is where you as the educator get to celebrate with the parent their child's successes where we send parents away from the classroom believing in their child because we too believe in their child while it is important to be real with families about struggles whether academically or behaviorally we must also show the connection and relationship we have with their child through celebrating their successes this was jmj real talk tune in next time for more on social emotional health